Jesus, would you like to go for a swing? <laughs> swing? Did you hear me yeah. say swing? I like said swing. swingers? Do you know what that means? <laughs> anyway. It's Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of a show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week we're covering Murdoch Mysteries, episode three, The Knockdown. I am Mark. I'm Sarah. This is a spoiler podcast. We're going to ruin it for you. We're going to ruin it for you. We're going to tell you who did it. And uh, if your kids can go to boxing matches, then they can go to this. I don't know if that's a good rule because I don't think I could handle a boxing match in person. It kind of bothers me. Just the idea of it bothers me. I'm not against it. People like it. Whatever. I couldn't do it. Yeah, if you're coming here for deep, in-depth boxing coverage of this episode... You're at the wrong destination. As mentioned when we covered the Midsummer Boxing episode, <laughs> we're, neither of us are into it at all. Really, sports of any kind, except hockey for you. Oh, curling. I like winter sports. Is boxing winter? No. <laughs> Can you box out in the cold? No. It, would, it would add no. another level of difficulty if no you're numb. No boxing. If you're numb, like, did you hit me? I don't know. By the way, people in Canada, like, I'm sorry about the weather. Oh, it looks really bad. Anywhere north of us, really, it looks really bad. Yeah, it snowed and thundered. <laughs> the same. Those shouldn't happen together. No, not good. Speaking of Toronto, uh, Murdoch's Mysteries Murder in F Major is this Friday and Saturday. Coming up at Roy Thompson Hall. If you're in Toronto and you go, let us know how it was. First so of all, jealous. take pictures and send them to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Live stream it from your phone in secret. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't get in trouble. Those people make a living. You I know, but just... we can't be there. We would. I know. We'd pay. Two. <laughs> Send us pictures. Yes. Absolutely. Wasn't that number one, too? Didn't you say send us pictures and send us pictures? Maybe. I think you did. (laughs) Number one is now secretly live stream it. And number two is take pictures of yourself. There is no number one. (laughs) Crabtree and Murdoch are going to be there. Yeah. Second thing before we dive in. We got an email that made us cry immediately. Oh, my gosh. It made me cry with joy. So we got, I saw the pictures first, Mm -hmm. which the picture almost made me cry. (laughs) And we're still waiting on permission to put these pictures on social media. So they may or may not be. But we'll describe them to you so it doesn't matter. So a listener named Jesse had a baby. She had a baby named Finn. Congratulations. Yes. And she sent a picture of little baby Finn in his little hospital, those clear plastic bins they keep babies in, <laughs> with a Socko Fox t-shirt over him. And she says that all the nurses love my Socko Fox t-shirt. For those of you who are new since we started Murdoch, that is a midsummer reference. Yes. About I've seen a crime fox. <laughs> It's a long thing. Refer to the merch store yep. for more details. Yep. Uh, and uh, Finn has an older brother. Uh, and while pregnant, Finn's older brother and, and Jesse watched 
Midsummer together and listen to the podcast. And now she needs an extra nap and she's going to make sure that they both subscribe on their YouTube channel. One of us. One yep. of us. <laughs> what does that do to a baby if they, you know, they say that you should play classical music on your tummy, you know, to make your baby smarter. If you expose them to Midsummer murders while you're pregnant, you never know how your parenting is going to turn out. Speaking of merch, you got a little, uh, Hint of our new merch we in might. the mailing list this week. Yes, we might have teased with a new design that has to happen. have a certain um, spirited redhead on it that yes. isn't Julia. Jean Genie? No. <laughs> Nocturnal Druid, one of our long-term fans on YouTube, pointed out the comparison between Brackenreed and Jean Genie from Life on Mars. Yeah. I think it's a good comparison. <laughs> I think, I think they'd great, be bros. I think they would be very much bros. <laughs> Are you ready for the knockdown? Yes. Original air date, the 3rd of February, 2008. Is it weird to you that we've been living in Bloomington the entire time that Mur Murdoch has been on? Yeah. It is quite strange. Uh, directed by Sean Thompson and written by Alexandra Zaroni. Okay. And we're right into the boxing right away. This is a 30 round boxing match. <laughs> That's a lot. I think they're limited to 12 now. So I wanted to know what the most rounds had ever been held in a professional boxing match. Do you want to guess? 128. No, uh, 276. Wow. So you want to you guess how long it took? Well, a round is two minutes with 30 seconds between them. So you got to do the math, I guess. Do you want to do Four hours and 30 minutes. I was getting close to saying that. was in uh, 1825 in Cheshire. It might have been bare knuckle too, probably. It was before the Queensbury rules. No. So all hold, no holds barred, right? No. It was like MMA boxing back yeah. then. I don't like any of it. I, I don't. I don't even like fighting in hockey. Like somebody's going to go, you watch hockey, it's the most violence. Player. I don't like fighting in hockey. They could remove fighting from hockey and I would be A-OK -okay with it. Yeah, me too. Yep. There's really only one boxing match I wish I could have seen live. Muhammad Ali versus Superman? No. Oh, okay. Not even the one where Mitt Romney boxed somebody. Oh, okay. he, I think he boxed Holyfield. <laughs> there was an amazing comic in the 70s where Muhammad Ali... Uh, fought Superman. Okay, that's not even a match. Like Superman could like knock his head off. It's explained in the story. Did they put some some kryptonite in his underwear to handicap him or something? No, no. It's it's explained in the story. <laughs> okay, but, but it's an amazing piece of art. No, the match that I would have liked to have been there to see live was this 1993 Holyfield fight against this guy. I think his name is Bowie. Okay. And in the middle, and it was in an arena, a big arena, open air, open topped arena. In the middle of the fight, this guy came down out of the sky on a parachute that was fan powered so he could steer it. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just a goof. Just a right? goof. Yeah. But he landed and they both jumped on him and like beat the crap out of him because <laughs> they thought he was a terrorist because he had just landed. I mean, it must have just been chaos. My God. And then the big the big parachute was all caught up on the ropes and wow. was like partially covering the 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 what do you call it where they box? The ring. The ring, even though it's square. Yes. Um the squared circle is it's it know. was like partially covering that. So they were like 
restraining, beating this guy up while nobody could see what was, I mean, it just must have been crazy. That's super weird. It's super weird that boxing used to be on like national televised television. Mm -hmm. Like on the main stations. Yeah. Well, in this episode, we've got Amos Robinson fighting Bob Sullivan. Bob Sullivan. Stand in white dude. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the most boring name. Yeah. Um, and apparently they, he Amos was supposed to throw it. He was right? supposed to throw the match, but he doesn't. And he wins. In TV or movies, does somebody who's supposed to, quote, throw a boxing match ever actually do it? No, I don't. I mean, that's the, well, the plot, Well, there's no right? drama there. There's no drama The there. plot is that they don't do it. Yeah. And then everybody's upset, right? Yeah. Because the bets and, and stuff. And that, like, that's the origin of so many stories to come, including, like, Daredevil, the comic book character is And that's line. where WWF wrestling comes from. <laughs> what? <laughs> Because everybody knows who's going to win from the very beginning, and it's not a surprise, and nobody has to lie about who's going to win. You know. You're telling me that wrestling is fake. It's all scripted, yeah. Okay. I know it is. I know now. I know. And I was joking. It goes really nicely into, they don't waste their time with, we're going to show you boxing over boxing over boxing. Oh, no. No, no. Like, we're into dead body right away. Yep. This is not Raging Bull. It's the, the end of the match. Yep. Dead person. Yep. Amos has been shot at close range, right in the heart, in his hotel. He's down. Julia's like, he's quite the specimen. And it's on Queen Victoria's birthday. Look at his arm. Yes. She's like, hey now. Hey, it's a corpse, Julia. <laughs> You're not supposed to go va va voom over a corpse. Yeah, so there's fireworks going on. Pew, pew, pew. Victoria Day is a Canadian holiday that happens in May. That is really a kind of excuse to have a holiday in May. Yeah. Uh, it's around the 24th. Because Mother's Day is not enough? Uh, you don't get Mother's Day off work. You My get, birthday's not enough? You don't get your day off, your birthday off work okay. nationwide either. It's really the also, it's also So the, now do people get Charles's birthday off? No. It's always the 24th of It's only May. ever Victoria's birthday? Yeah, it's, it's Victoria's birthday, but it's the celebration of the current monarch too. There's fireworks and it's really the unofficial start of two things. Summer. Summer. And planting, uh, right? You can start to plant your garden after that's that. That's no fair, though, that if you're the monarch, that people don't get your birthday off because it's not the same as Victoria's. They should time it better. <laughs> <sighs> Amos is shot with a Derringer. Yes. Do you know anything about Derringers? Um, it's a tiny gun. Mm. The gun they show shooting has something written on the br barrel about Germany, but I don't know what a Derringer is. A Derringer, it's, it became... Oh, and it's seen as a woman's gun. Well, because it's small. Yeah, it's right? small. It's a pistol. It was invented in the late 1700s. It's a very small pistol. Yeah, it was like a single shot pistol. Yeah, it's a but, single shot. But what it became is like Kleenex. It's a generic name for any small pistol. A yes. A palm pistol. Yeah. It's also the kind of gun that Lincoln was shot with. Yes. It's a palm, is a Derringer mm -hmm. palm pistol. I think Colt owns the name now, but yeah, it's just a little, it's just a little gun. Yes. And they, the, the coolest one I saw, part of what makes it little is that it doesn't have uh, the same kind of cylinder to hold the, yeah. it, like a revolver does. It's just a single shot, so. Um, well, some of them are like three shots. Yeah. But the coolest one I saw, instead of the barrel like going down to open it, like yeah. a shotgun does, or having a revolver that spins out and has the little slots in it for yeah. the bullets, the barrel went to the side. Oh, and then you put the bullets Yeah, under. so it, it pivots like perpendicular 
perpendicular to the handle oh, that's to load it and yeah. then put it back. It takes less space, yeah. right? So you can fit it in your pocket anyway. Boy, he's got big arms. He does have big arms. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he's so, played by Andrew Hinkson, who is a buff dude. He's a buff dude. Yeah. Certainly is a buff dude. But not, he's buff like a boxer buff. Yeah, yeah. not like a weightlifter buff. Yes, and his wife is found over the body with the gun. Mm -hmm. She obviously did it. Poor Fanny. Poor Fanny. Framed. Well, not really. But She's not really framed. She framed herself she, she, sort of accidentally. Yeah. That's just a rule of thumb. If you find your loved one dead and it's clearly a homicide, don't cradle them in your arms. Or It'll just make you look guilty. Or, or, or pick, pick up, up the, the weapon. <laughs> just don't. Especially if you're in a TV show. Just, you know, if you think there's some cameras, don't do that. Yeah. Crabtree is funny. When they're looking at the body, he and Murdoch. How, how does Crabtree get around? To, oh, I know. They're talking about... Victoria's birthday, and he says that he just gave his granny some oranges. Yeah. For her birthday. So, Crabtree's lineage is in question constantly. Mm hmm. And we find out that he has a number of ants. Yeah. And then we find out he doesn't really have a number of ants. They're not related to him. He's they a just foundling took him in. Yeah. who was placed at a brothel. Yes. So, he was raised by a bunch of very friendly prostitutes. Who so are all his aunts. Now. I don't know who he's talking about. Yeah, here. I don't know who his granny is. I think that I think that maybe it was that's one of their mothers later on. But or he says granny. Maybe here. he refers to the madam as his granny. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Speaking of childhood, wow, it's a wonder that Crabtree turns out the way a he does. Crabtree would see the nanny like that. He sees the best in people. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then we have the first scene, and we're going to deal with this really quickly in the same way that Murdoch deals with it. There's a little bit about race here because both the boxer, the manager, and his wife are black. They sort of say, there are things that we could talk about about race. And we will lightly touch on them, but we are a light, cozy mystery show, so we're going to... We acknowledge them and move on. Yes. And that's definitely. what we're going to do, too. Yes. <laughs> because we're not a show to talk about big, heavy issues. We acknowledge that it's an issue, and it was an issue even back then. Yes, indeed. But Murdoch goes all cop on her. Well, okay, so now going back to what I said in an earlier episode where we talked about Americans. Mm-hmm. Black Americans are seen as sympathetic. Mm -hmm. White Americans, they're the evil people. Oh, in Murdoch? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. White Americans are s stupid snobs. And it, and at least they didn't say, kind of come off and say, oh, there's no racism here in Canada. No. There's lots of racism at this time in Canada. Yeah. But also, there's no slavery. There's no... We were a little more forward. <laughs> yes. It was a little bit better place. Yes. Not, not the best, not perfect, yeah. but a little bit best but then we get my favorite character of the episode okay who is the desk clerk at the hotel yes and his interesting glasses he's played by scott anderson and he is of uh, not including the recurring characters the first person we see in murdoch who is in later episodes oh he's in other episodes this is his first of three. Oh. I yeah. didn't know he was in other episodes. Now, does the guy from the newspaper, the photographer, show up again? Because he has a feeling of, we're going to see this guy again. No, he doesn't. But he should. But he should. He, do, he, he does have that, like, you're going to see me again, ha huh, ha, huh, kind of. He's called Newsman Lewis in Newsman the credits. Newsman Lewis. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, desk clerk is just desk clerk, but yes. he's great. Yes. And you're right. He has glasses that are fantastic. 
So tell me about these glasses. The first of many glasses in this episode that are fantastic. He has on pince-nez, is that how you say them? Yes. Which are the armless glasses that pinch your nose. Yes. But what's special about his is his have a little chain, right? Now, a lot of people have pince-nez with a little chain, like Poirot. Poirot does. The chain goes to your pocket, usually, because you anchor them there, like almost like a pocket watch. Yep. So when you're not wearing them, it's easy to put them back in your pocket, but his are different. Yes. They have an earpiece instead. Yes. So it's like a little curved wire that goes around the top and back of your ear. Yeah. So when he takes his off, if he does, he probably doesn't, they would hang off his ear. Off his ear. That's so interesting. Instead. Yeah. And I totally think that it's a not an anachronism. Oh, like, no, I they're think, absolutely authentic to the yeah. Victorian era. And they're so cool. I've never seen any with that kind of chain on them. Then we have a transition. But he's also oblivious to everything and lies constantly and is afraid of everything. Only makes 18 cents an hour. 18 cents an hour. (laughs) He's such a character. Did you notice in the transition here, there's a sign for dramatic war pictures? Yes. The poster outside the police station. So what war would that be? I would have to think Crimean. Yeah. And and maybe American Civil War. That's too long. I mean, that's like, what, 20 years before? Yeah. That's too long ago. Yeah. And and no rent? I don't know what that one's about. I don't know either. They they put a lot of emphasis on Murdoch and Crabtree's notebooks in this episode. They do. You see their notebooks a lot. Yes. You know about policemen's notebooks? So policemen's notebooks are generally seen in cozy mysteries as being a thing in which policemen take all their notes, they keep them after they've left the job, and they hold vital pieces of evidence that are in <laughs> later cold cases. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a shoebox that somebody conveniently gets out and goes through later, right? Now, my only interaction with detectives, they did, in fact, have notebooks. Mm-hmm. So... I would assume that this is a regular thing. Man, I remember it's been 10 years ago or so, maybe even longer. I was at an auction, like an estate auction, and there was a box of notebooks and files. I should have bought it. Yeah. I think somebody got it for like $5 and I should have bought it and I didn't buy it. Man, they are an official thing. To this day, they're an official thing, Uh especially in the UK and in Canada. I don't know how instituted they are in the US police. Mm -hmm. I wound up reading the whole Merseyside police, police notebook policy guide. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because that's the kind of dork I am. That's how we are. But yeah, they're very official. They're um, distributed by a sergeant or someone of higher rank who is officially designated to distribute them. They are numbered. They are cataloged. They know which notebook you have. And when it is full, you turn it in. You sign a slip in the back. And so does the person who who gives you the next notebook. They have to keep them on file, at least in Merseyside Police, six years they have to keep them. But now they also have the EPNB, which is the Electronic Pocket Notebook, which is a similar system, but on a smartphone with a pen. Oh, that's cool. So it's synced up real time. But shortly after Murdoch is is set, so like around 1910, 1915, they came out with police notebooks, police issue notebooks that look just like these, but the paper is waterproof and unterrible. Oh. You so were you, ne- you were never supposed to tear yeah, a page out ever. To, yeah. When Murdoch does that, he's breaking a rule. At least 10 or 15 years later, it would have been a rule that and he's breaking that he tears that out. Like when 
Crabtree hands over his notebook, it's meant to be like an official thing. Yes. Like, I'm handing you my notebook. Yeah. And Murdoch would have initialed the pages that he was reviewing as his supervisor. He was yeah. using that evidence. And so at this time, the only pages you were supposed to tear out were from the back. So if you had to tear a page out to like give somebody some information, you'd write it on the very, the like last second page. to last page. and Like your number and stuff. Yeah. And you'd yeah. tear it out and hand it to them. He's totally a cop here too. Mm-hmm. Like he asks her tough questions. Yeah, he does. He does. He doesn't make assumptions and he's a cop cop here. But he also treats her like a human being and has sympathy for her almost immediately. Cause again, she did just find her there. husband dead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When I was looking at uh, when you you see Murdoch taking notes in his notebook and you actually see his writing. He has very nice penmanship. Okay, but you don't see him writing. No, You see hands writing. You see hands writing. You see him write on a chalkboard sometimes, though, Yannick Besson. Yeah. I wonder what they do if the actor has really horrible handwriting. They have a hand model. But like, okay, I'm not trying to offend you. Yeah. But you have serial killer I handwriting. Do, I do a very okay? bad handwriting. If you were the star of this show, they would definitely need a stand-in they to would. write for you. Absolutely. <laughs> they were like, did you finish school? <laughs> like, we can't show a scene of Mark's character writing on the chalkboard unless no. somebody else's hand is like through the sleeve of his coat holding the chalk, <laughs> you know, writing on the chalkboard. Yeah, if that's his writing, it's good. And it looks like it might be because he writes on the chalkboard and it's good. Yep. Oh, we got chalkboard stuff to talk about. <laughs> So we've got Fanny, her husband, Amos, who's dead. And then Amos's agent, who is Ozzy. Ozzy. Ozzy Beers. Yes. Do you know what Ozzy can be short for? Oswald. Yeah. Osmandius. <laughs> I thought of Ozymandias too. Osmond. Osmond. But most commonly, Osborne. Osborne. Yeah, that, that works too. But Ozzy Osborne isn't named Os- Osborne Osborne. No. <laughs> He's like Jimmy or something. (laughs) Fanny says that it's like the 4th of July and you're like, American. She's American. She's, they're Americans. Americans, by the way, Americans. Because we celebrate 4th of July and you Canadians don't. I have in my notes, 4th of July, Americans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then Ozzy lets us know that they're from from Athens, Athens. Georgia. Yeah, not Greece. Well, Athens, Georgia holds special place in my heart, but we'll get to that. For music, yeah. So... So then George gets the weird request and we'll deal with the request. Then we'll deal with the paper because, oh boy, the paper. And then we'll get de- me a dress. Then we'll deal with what the request ends up. Give get- me a dress. We already got a dress for Fanny. No, I need a dress for myself. Yep. He says, oh, are you tired of the jacket and trousers, sir? <laughs> it's a little drag joke right there. I love that. I like that they have that relationship, that it's very clear that Crabtree respects Murdoch a lot from the get-go. He learns from him. He asks him his advice on all kinds of things, but they're still able to joke around with each other. They're still able to joke around. And later on, and this is not a spoiler, George's view upon the world (laughs) gets shared that he may not share with everybody. He has some different things. We'll see in the Martian episode. Yes. Would you like to talk newspapers? We need another pig. Yes. And another, it's not a pig. Right. It's another pig. Another pig. And yeah, not just the liver this time. Yeah. The whole pig. The whole pig. And we might need a t-shirt that will fit him. Yes. Or maybe he comes from the butcher in a t-shirt for his own modesty. With the the (laughs) reminder posts I put out for this episode, I'll have Crabtree in the dress. (laughs) Because he's fantastic. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's got to be a white dress. Where did Crabtree go to get it? It's got to be secondhand, Gosh, right? It has to be. He would have gone to a secondhand shop and yep. said, give me your cheapest white dress. Yes. And they're like, oh, are you getting married, sir? Is this for your lady? No, it's for a pig. No, wait a minute. I got to wear it. I got to wear mind. it and I got to shoot a pig. It's for blood spatter. Okay. Then the entire episode stops for both of us (laughs) because there's a newspaper and wow. It's got the front page story about Amos being killed and Fanny being arrested. And then it's got this photo of Amos with this mystery blonde lady on his lap. Who is the mystery blonde lady? I don't know. I went back and looked in the notes and everything. I couldn't figure out who that woman was. Woman on lap. That's who she is. That is her whole role is to be in that photo. And then I started to read the other stories in the (laughs) newspaper and oh boy. (laughs) So you did more research into this. Oh, yes. So what is is in the other stories in the newspaper? There's one about hooligans. Yeah. A lot of the text looks like, like it was just in the newspaper already. And when they mocked this one up, they like superimpose their story on top of it. Yeah. There's even a story about like, or it's an ad about silks. Yeah. And it's kind of cut off. Like yep. you can see that they put it over it. And we will post this in the show notes, these screenshots of the newspaper so you guys can see this, but it's amazing, right? Yeah, so absolutely. I'm So I'm looking at this screenshot that I took and it's the one that has the picture of the whole group in the bar. And above it and to the left of it, there's text that you can easily read. And so... I'm, all, I'm, I'm reading it. It's the story of Miss Adelisa Davies of 146 King, King Street. East. Yes. And there's this thing about ruts and uh, like um, peasants. And I'm like, what? What is that? So I started just Googling whole phrases from it. Yeah, I didn't right? even look up 146 King Street East because it's a, I'm sure it's a giant tall building. Now, yeah, no. Because King Street is full of tall buildings. So there. so I started looking for any terms in there that were unique or whole phrases I could Google. And I found the exact text that is on that paper that they put the news story on top of and then made their own copy of it. So what they did was they took an issue of the Toronto Globe from November 15th, 1888. Oh. And that story is about Nicholas Vasily. Okay. Also known as the Russian Ripper. Oh. Who is suspected of being Jack the Ripper. Sequential killer. He killed a bunch of people in Russia and then took off for London just as the killing started in London. And then he came to Toronto. This is a plot from a future episode you know, of Murdoch, I'm not by the sure way. about that now. Yeah. It's difficult to tell. I don't know why the Toronto newspapers were so infatuated with him, but there were lots of stories about him in the Toronto newspapers. But I don't know why. Okay. Maybe somebody can tell us. Maybe. But I was like, hot diggity dog, I found the, I mean, like, I found the front page of that newspaper. Yep. Sweet. <laughs> and I really doubt the person who was responsible for mocking up that fake newspaper paid that much attention Ever to the story. anyone would look it Yeah, up. they're just looking at it going, okay, is there, an, is there a story I can completely replace? Like, can I, I can just chunk in, you know, our story on the front cover and it will look like it fits. And, it, and they did a great job of that. But the story around it is sensational because this guy was like 
a well-to-do guy who was rejected by his family because he became a religious zealot with this movement called the Shorn, who completely (laughs) rejected all like um, physical luxuries or pleasures and shave their heads. And then he went around Russia threatening women with knives until they like swore their fealty to God. And if they did, he wouldn't kill them. But if they didn't, he like slaughtered them. And I mean, he is something else. Wow. And then he just left the country. He was never caught. Wow. And what does it have to do with that, Adelisa Davies? We're not sure. You can read the whole story if you want to. Okay. We'll post a link we'll to post it. post a link Because I it. found the full text of the 1888 Toronto Globe story. <laughs> you can read the whole thing, baby. That's the kind of maniacs we are. But I was amazed. I'm like, this is a juicier story than the story the newspaper is supposed to be about. Meanwhile, I'm still wondering, who is this blonde lady on his lap? <laughs> And then I see, well, two things happen. One, I notice that Murdoch has cleaned up his office. It's much neater now. It's good. I'm much better with it now. Yeah, it's safer. Number two, his blackboard, Mm. which he is going through what is called the Bertolon system. Mm B-E-R-T-I-L-L-O-N. Is a system consisting of five initial measures, head length, head breadth, Length of middle finger, length of left foot, and length of cubit, which is fingertip, longest fingertip to elbow. Okay. That's a cubit? Yes, that's a cubit. Uh, Along with these measures, uh, he also used the first photography known as mug shots Mm -hmm. to complete his system of record. It was a way in which they could say, this is the guy who did the thing that we already caught him for. Yeah. Because... You're dealing, okay, you you have criminals who, even in this particular time, a criminal goes from Toronto to Montreal, say. That's a five, six-hour train ride. Yep. They would be like, we have no idea who you are. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody was just like an average guy. Like, oh, he's average height. He has average color hair. He's got, you know, brown eyes, whatever. Zutalor, we have no idea who you are. (laughs) That's the worst Montreal accent of all time, by the way. I love it, though. It's better than mine. Mine's, ho, ho, ho. That's all I can do. That's my French accent. Baguette. Ho, ho, ho. C'est la vie. But, but this is a way in which they could share information. Even well, just stations. Better and- than that, though, it was a database. Yeah. Because it, was- it meant, unlike fingerprints, that you could quickly categorize people. Oh. I want all of the people whose cubits are this size. Yep. Give me all of those. Yes. Right? So you could quickly see those people. Yeah. We know his foot from is a bloody length. footprint is yeah. this length. So yeah. give me just the criminals who have committed a violent crime whose feet or that length, right? So it was, you because they couldn't classify fingerprints that way, yeah. right? They're all just swirly bits, right? Until later when they started to like name common traits of fingerprints. But this is that's this is way too early for that. And, and really is the beginnings of scientific stuff in uh, criminology. Yeah, but it wasn't good. It really didn't work. It, it, because worked, it worked better than you thought it would. Yeah. The, especially the things that we still have, which are the mugshots. I love the Wikipedia page, and I'll send, I'll put the link in the show notes. 
the Wikipedia page has Bertoli uh, Bertolin's mugshot in it that he took of himself. Yeah. The the reason why I say it doesn't work is that it only lets you identify criminals you've already caught. Yes. Right. It doesn't help you identify somebody who's never been arrested. It also doesn't help because it's not the kind of measurement that you can eyeball. It also doesn't <laughs> help with people who are younger mm-hmm. and change over time. Yes. So that's a that's a lesson. Commit crimes before you're fully grown and yes. then you're fine. Or wear really tight shoes when you commit your crimes and pull your arms up into your sleeves so they look shorter. Yes. <laughs> so I think what... And you'll never get caught. What Murdoch is doing here is evaluating this method. Yeah. So you think that his handwriting is Yannick Besson's handwriting. So do you think they made him fill out that whole chalkboard? Oh, I think they did. <laughs> and I think Yannick Besson was like, I have to get into character, so I'm going to fill out this entire chalkboard. Wow. It's not a lot. It is quite a bit. Then Bracken Reed sees... They hang people. Yeah. And I'm off on another whole adventure. (laughs) Because Fanny's, the accusation against Fanny for murdering her husband is serious because if- if she did do it, they they caught her literally red-handed, red-dressed with the weapon right over him. If she's convicted, she is certainly getting the death penalty, right? It, she can't plead insanity or self-defense or anything like that. She's going to be full-on guilty, right? Yeah. And they have capital punishment then? They do. They hang people? They do. Okay. We talked about that last time. So how many dawn, right? Canadians do you think were hung in 19... 19- you mean hanged? Hung. Hanged? Hanged in 1895. <laughs> In 1895? 1895. All across Canada? All across Canada. 25. Three. Wow. Uh, Louis Victor, Amade Chantel, and uh, John A. Hendershot. Men. All three men. Okay. Okay. In 94, there were four men also. Okay. And between 85 and 94, there were no, no one was hanged? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. 94, there were three. There were four. And 95, there were three. Okay. Uh, I did also notice there is, by the way, there's a list of people who have uh, been executed in Canada. It's a much shorter list than uh In the US? Of course. Um, now, any women? Well, I'll get to women in a second. Oh, okay. There's another interesting one on December 14th, 1893, which is like, hey, let's go outside where it's freezing cold and hang somebody. <laughs> 10 days before Christmas and hang you. It's so seasonal. <laughs> In Brockville, where my brother <laughs> lives right now. And he was killed. He was uh, executed. Charles Sanford Luckey because he murdered his parents and his sister. Wow. Yep. He got out of jail and he didn't like them. I think there was some idea that they maybe told on him. And he went and burned down the house and killed three people. Snitches get... Yep. Yes. I guess. So in the entirety of uh, execution in Canada, which runs from 1754 to to 1953, that's for women. Mm -hmm. How many women do you think have been killed by the government of Canada? 10. 13. Wow. The last one, when do you think it was? Now, this is a game we play on this podcast. The, the most famous version of it was, when did they stop guillotining people? And the answer was, in my lifetime, which yeah. was frightening. Yeah. <laughs> the last woman hanged in Canada was in 1935. 1953. Wow. Her, her lover, and her accomplice 
were hung because they blew up a plane with 19 other people in it to kill her lover's wife. That's overkill. Yeah. Couldn't you be more strategic than that? Uh, Like you could poison her or something. They wanted to blow up the plane so that it would- Look like an accident. Look like an accident. It was supposedly supposed to blow up over water. It didn't. Dynamite in the plane. Like boom, baby. That's awful. Yep. I mean, it's awful to kill one person. It's really awful to take 18 more people down with her. Yeah. Marguerite Pietra. She Was that in Quebec? Yes. That was, Mm -hmm. it was absolutely. That's such a Quebecois thing to do. Yeah. And she was, (laughs) wow. it's not. (laughs) She, she was put to death on January 9th. Again, why are we doing it in the middle of winter? Uh 1953 in the Bordeaux prison in Montreal. You know, you got to punish people when it's time to punish them. You can't say, well, we're going to wait till the weather's nice. Canadian Pacific Airlines Flight 108. Wow, that's crazy. I know I need to do more research on this because it sounds like a completely fascinating story. Speaking of snitches. This all comes from a book called Uncertain Justice, Canadian Women and Capital Punishment, 1754 to 1953 by F. Murray Greenwood, Emeritus Professor of History at the University of British Columbia, Independent Scholars. Super interesting. That is interesting. Yep. Speaking of snitches get stitches, you know who else gets stitches? Bob Sullivan. Bob Sullivan gets some stitches. The worst stitches since the last episode, which were the autopsy stitches. Yes. His stitches are like five inches long, like hanging off his face. <laughs> they are not good. Like they're going to snag his sweater when he puts them on. And I, and I keep going, oh my God, those stitches are bad, but those posters are out of focus. Can you please put them into focus? <laughs> he is a non character he is he's just a guy who loses the most interesting scene is of that is that if you send in 10 box tops or proof of purchases from tobacco you get a picture (laughs) they don't even show him punch amos later in the nose no he just he's just useless yeah so after we deal with sullivan we have george in the dress it's snug in the bosom (laughs) it's not it's snug in the shoulders it's not george in the dress it's george the dress and the pig and his inability to shoot the pig. I feel bad for him. Bob, uh, uh, Crabtree, there's no soul in the pig. Sir, do you think pigs have souls? Just shoot the pig! <laughs> Poor pig. Do you think that's a real pig? Uh, Yeah, I think it's a real it pig. It looks like a real pig. It does look like If it's not, good job props. Yeah. Because it looks like a real pig. A real dead pig. When do you think blood splatter was used or thought to be used in forensic science? Like when was it first admissible as evidence or something? Oh, that's two different questions. Oh, I don't know. You so, tell me. So the first, I'm guessing really badly today. The first study of blood spatters titled Concerning the Origins of Shape, of shape Direction, and Distribution of Bloodstains Following Head Wounds Caused by Blows. <laughs> that's quite the title. <laughs> Published... In 1895 by Dr. Edward Potoroski of the University of Krakow in Poland. Awesome. An early research influenced pioneering investigators of the 20th century, German and France, including Dr. Paul Gershwich 
and Dr. Victor Balthazard. <laughs> Balthazard. 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 B A L T H A Z A R D. Balthazard. And William Murdoch, obviously, because yes. he's been reading up, apparently. Not this used, is the newest research. Not used in court in the United States till 1955. <laughs> well, we don't do a lot of head bludgeoning. Wow. What? <laughs> And that's all about cast off anyway, not spatter. Wow. When you swing a ball bat or a hammer, you Uh, know. uh, There's a really good How Stuff Works article about blood spatter analysis, and I'll put that in the show notes. Now we go to see the Cutlers. And at first, we're introduced to, to Margaret. Margaret Cutler. Who is like the thumbnail for this episode everywhere, her and her little sunglasses. Like yes. she's the star of the show. Yes. And she serves one purpose, and that is to make Murdoch really uncomfortable. That's okay. all she's for. Okay, I have a question because she's clearly a stereotype. Oh, she's so French. That's why she's so deviant. <laughs> Does this work if she's not French? Sure. She could be American and deviant. Yeah, she could be. But I think then she would be smarmy since she's French and deviant. It makes her sophisticated. And this, and this is through the entire history of Murdoch. You got a French woman, she's sexually deviant. Yeah. Not, okay. Promiscuous, uncomfortable to Murdoch. Uncomfortable Murdoch. Their relationship appears to be okay with that's both their, of them. That's their business. That's their business. She's and that's not hurting anybody. And, nope. She, but the fact that she purposefully makes Murdoch uncomfortable. Oh, she gets off on that. Makes her bad. Yeah. She gets off on making like him what you do is your business. But if you and if you flaunt it in front of somebody who clearly is uncomfortable with it and you don't need to, they're not trying to repress you, then you don't do that. And I think the Helena Joy character in the movies is kind of like this too. Yeah, but no, she she of the very cool sunglasses is yes. unnecessary. She has fantastic sunglasses. Yeah. They are they are uh Bram Stoker's Dracula yes. Dracula glasses. <laughs> Would you like to go for a swing? <laughs> swing? Did you hear me yeah. say swing? I like said swing. swingers? Do you know what that means? <laughs> anyway, bad French. Yeah. Cutler says to Murdoch, he says, what do you make, like $400 a year, give or take? Yep. I make 200 times that. Yeah. Which means that he makes $80,000 a year. Yes. Which in 1895, what do you think that'd be worth today? Two and a half million. Yeah. Well, 2.8. Oh. Yeah. I was pretty good. That's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So he can afford to lose two grand on a bet. It's not really a big deal to him. Yeah. Okay. His whole, the whole purpose of him is to be snobby and throw money around. And, yes. And refer to Amos like some kind of object rather yes. than a person. Yes. And uh, that's all they're important for. Yes. That's all they're there. They have a really cool house. Yes. From the outside, it's awesome. Their house is gorgeous, and we see that house again in other episodes. Yeah. And they're outside playing croquet, which is, again, shorthand for rich people who don't work. Work. They need to find things to fill their time. Yes. Like wearing little glasses and playing croquet. People who work, work in the morgue, though. (laughs) <laughs> like Julia. And her man, the man who's always in the background. He's always in the background. He back- of the ripped armpit. Yes. <laughs> 
His but job is to look busy. Amos does a good dead body here. He does, but we don't really get to see much close up. No. She doesn't like pull his arm out from under the sheet and go, look at this arm. It's so, ooh la la. Yes. Now I'm stuck in French. You gotta, gotta get me unstuck. <laughs> and I, I would say that Murdoch would have read Darwin. Oh, of course. So, because it kind of seems- He's not like- asking about the science. He's saying, oh, do you only like muscular men? Because well, I yes. like you and there's I want a, you to like me. There's That's a what lot he's of asking. subjects here. And she knows that. Yes. Speaking of Darwin, though. Yes. The desk clerk says that the scream that when Fanny screamed because she found Amos made the hair on the back of his neck stand up. Yes. Do you know why that happens? Well, okay. Because so, it happens to you too, right? It happens when, to me. If you it get happens scared. to animals. Yeah. Right? They get their hackles up. Yeah. Certainly olive. Got our oh dog. my gosh, there's something in the backyard. She looks like a ridgeback hog when she gets upset. Which is usually- <laughs> Like a little mohawk down her back. The wind. Yes. <laughs> a leaf moved. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, like that has to be, I would say it's a secondary trait that happens because something else has happened. Okay. You can call it that if you want to. Okay. It's actually called horripilation. Horripilation? Horripilation. Horripilation. H O R R I P, horrip. Or as the French would say, horripilation. Horripilation. It is when your hair stands on end because of a boost of adrenaline that makes the tiny muscles at the base of your hair follicles tighten and it makes your hair stand on end and it serves two purposes. Okay. It happens when you're cold, right? Yes. And the reason why it happens when you're cold is when that. You used to be a monkey and you were really hairy. Having your hair stand up on end would create a layer of air next to your skin that would be good for insulation. Okay. But it happens when you're scared too, also because of adrenaline. Yes. And the benefit of that is it makes you look bigger. Oh, that makes sense. Because not so much now. No, 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 no. It doesn't make sense. Oh, your neck looks giant. I'm very scared of you. It doesn't make sense to humans. No. But like Olive is clearly trying to make herself look bigger and it works. Yeah. Yeah. Because her hair stands up on end. It's usually, it's usually flat. Yeah. And she looks puffy. (laughs) Bigger. Mohawky. Yeah. And it's especially useful around the the back of your neck and in your shoulders. Because if you think of an animal, typically on all fours, but even like a bear, when they stand up, they do it and it it makes them look bulkier. I wonder if. And more threatening. I wonder if that's why subconsciously we see mohawk haircuts as tougher. Like your hair standing up as tougher. Okay, if that was true, then bouffants would be scary too. That's true. So <laughs> Beehive! Ah! Really, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But it was an interesting theory. Yes. <laughs> we find out that the bullet that killed Amos had a light load. Yes. Some of the gunpowder has been taken out of it to make it quieter. This is the first time I've ever heard that. Of all I've of the never crime shows, ever I looked before. it up. It's a real thing. It wasn't common. What was more common was people trying to doctor bullets that way. Yeah. Or for other reasons and blowing their hands off. I would think so. Yeah. And people who manufactured bullets, of course, would never light load them because no. that would be cheap. Yep. Uh, and the the bullet itself wouldn't go very far. Yeah. It seems weird. You done shooting pigs? <laughs> no, nah, I was going to shoot barrels instead. Yeah. When, speaking of the pig shooting scene, though, I I love the, the little moment when Bracken Reed comes out, sees George with the blood on him, sees Murdoch measuring, sees the pig, and just tilts his head like a confused dog. Like, huh? It's the first of many times yep. he's going to do that to yep. them. <laughs> like, 
What are you doing, you happy dafty? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just shooting pigs. We're all wearing dresses. It's okay. No, no bother. Then the photographer shows up to give explanation and backstory. That's Newsman Lewis. Newsman Lewis. <laughs> George has found something, and though it eventually will be a cute little ferret, it's not a cute <laughs> little ferret at the start. No, they found the blood, so they know that either Amos was killed in another place or somebody tracked the blood. Well, what we need is Tate Hansen's bitch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> don't talk about his wife like that. Like Murdoch should look at him and do like one of his Murdoch faces yeah, like, and be like, hmm? George, <laughs> not that he wouldn't know what he meant, but like it's still seen. Like, it would be out of context for a second. <laughs> like you, <laughs> we need a bloodhound. Yeah. But instead, we get a ferret. We get ferret and we get ferret cam. (laughs) (laughs) The ferret is so cute. Yes. I love when he goes up Murdoch's pant leg like, block him, sir. They're known to bite. You're sensitive bits. It's all just fun. It's all fun. The, the, I know this episode deals with race, but we're going to have a fair right yes. up your leg, eating your sensitive. <laughs> we got to We got to balance it out. Yeah. We got George in a dress, a pig, ferrets going up pant legs. He has his, the ferret has a little wicker basket. Yes. He's so cute. He's so very cute. <laughs> And he does find stuff. He goes maybe, under the bed. Maybe you could do some art with the ferret, the pig, and George in the dress. Oh, there you go. Maybe there the ferret go. could be wearing a little dress, too. <laughs> uh, this is not the Queen's Hotel. Poor desk clerk. He's like, I got good glasses. That's what I got going for I me, don't, okay? I don't know. You get off my case. I don't know about anybody else. Okay. But every Queen's Hotel that I've ever known or had any dealings with has been the worst place in the universe. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Is it like the Royal Hotel? Yeah. Yeah. The but this is the hotel. Prince Albert Hotel, which which is, do we see him again in the Prince of Wales episode? No. Oh. He plays a completely different character oh, okay. later. Sorry. We have an unusual ma- a marriage. Oh, well, then you must be ridiculous. <laughs> there, so, so, okay. This is a pivotal question for me. Yes. Okay. Okay. It really defines how much worse I think about the Cutlers. Yes. Bob Sullivan shows up, pops Amos in the nose. Yep. Which makes his nose bleed. Yes. Then Mrs. Cutler tries to seduce him. Well, he goes back to his room and I'm assuming they're waiting there for him. So she tries to seduce him while his face is bleeding? Well, I'm sure... Ew. I'm sure he was kind of cleaning up and I wasn't there. So I don't know how it went on, but... I I don't think I'm going to hit on a guy whose face is bleeding. Well, it doesn't work. Well, that's good. And she kind of pouts and gives up. She was only doing it because her husband wanted to own this man. And he didn't want to go for it. Oh, darn. They're... They're, I think they walk a fine line here of the Cutlers have a weird marriage, but they're not horrible people. But he is a rich guy, so that makes him horrible. Yes. The fact that he wants to control Amos for his own benefit, to make money off of him. Yes. Not because he respects him as a human. No. And and as an athlete, but because he is a useful tool that will make him money. And he keeps saying own. Yes. Which is veiled metaphor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with a with a veil much like George's white dress. Yeah. And that it's pretty see-through. Yeah. I mean, they don't they don't say that like Ozzy Beers owns the contract. Yeah. Like Amos has signed a contract and Ozzy is selling his contract to Cutler. 
so that now Amos has to work for uh, for Cutler. They don't say it that way. It's much more of a possession thing. Yeah. And Amos is not going for it because he bet on himself because he's smart, won yep. the match, made a whole bunch of money because yes. everybody was betting against him because he was supposed to throw it. Yep. And now he's got all the money he needs to take Fanny away and start a real life together and not box anymore. Yes. Right? So, no, he's not going to go for this. Because he's got his own life and plans. Well, I think he loves Fanny. I think he does too. And not the blonde woman in his lap. Nameless blonde lady. I still love that blood tracking ferret. Yes. Meanwhile, I'm like, Murdoch's board has changed back to what it was before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he does this. He goes into Ozzy's room. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a nice shot here of multiple Murdochs. Yeah. Because he's searching the room thoroughly yes. over time. Is... Ozzy, the worst criminal ever. No. Because <laughs> Murdoch finds everything that he needs in this room. Yes. He finds the money. He finds the train tickets. The he grand, finds the buttons. The Grand Truck Railroad tickets. Yes. Trunk Railroad tickets. Uh, I guess I was surprised that they had individual wood-burning stoves in hotel rooms. Well, I was surprised they had I would have thought it would have been a fireplace. They wouldn't have a train ticket from Toronto to San Francisco. They'd have a train ticket from Toronto to Detroit, probably. And then from Detroit, Detroit to, to somewhere San Francisco. else. Yes. Yeah, maybe to Boulder and then Boulder to whatever. Maybe, yeah. I'm not going to say Ozzy is the worst criminal because... Because he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yes. He sees that Amos cheats on Fanny, that he drinks, that he makes her sad, and he thinks he can do better for her. And so he's not a career criminal. So, yeah, he's not very good at it. So he's not good at hiding the evidence. This is the point in my notes where I go, wait a minute. Who owns the gun? (laughs) What do you know? The killer. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole time, like from the moment they arrest Fanny, I'm like, Ozzy did it. Yeah. Ozzy was there. Yeah. Ozzy did it. They're like, who else could have been in the hotel? I don't know. How about Ozzy? And then I thought that maybe he was protecting her. I never thought that. No. Ozzy did it. He he hops the train going to New Brunswick. (laughs) Okay. They got the direction right because Kingston is closer to New Brunswick than Toronto. Okay. They got the direction right. Yeah. (laughs) But like Kingston's the next top. I know, but you would just get whatever you could, right? You would just take the next available train. Yeah. And at first you think Murdoch is being um, merciful when he says, you know, you could claim self-defense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, no. He's tricking him. Nudge, nudge. He's Totally but he's true. absolutely tricking him. Well, I think that's the point where I was like, is he covering up for her? But he clearly isn't. And then in the last scene, all hell breaks loose in terms of reality. Because at no point in time would Murdoch give her the tickets, the giant wad of money, <laughs> or hug a black woman in the street in broad daylight. Maybe in reality he wouldn't, but in Murdoch world... He would. In Murdoch that world, is absolutely he what he would do. And also, there's no poop on the street. I noticed that also. <laughs> <laughs> Your poop dar was on? Yes. These aren't real horses, honey. They don't do the poopage doops. It's and, Murdoch's turn. And Murdoch is forced to admit it's intuition, which it wasn't. No. He clearly was not intuition. No. He saw the blood splatter in her dress and said, there's but something wrong there. I think it's nice to say, I knew all along you couldn't have done it. Yes. I never thought you could have done it. Yes. Even before I had the evidence, which... Kind of does. I mean, for most of the show, they're trying to disprove it's her rather than prove it's somebody else. Yes. So it's 
fairly, yeah. Murdoch gets in trouble later with all sorts of things, but I think he would get in trouble for giving her the money and the ticket. It was Amos's money and Amos's tickets. She's his widow. I guess. They're hers. I guess. And they've got a confession. I mean, I, I don't know why they would need them. I think it it's just, right. It just stuck me as weird. That, that you just hand you, her evidence? If you looked at it from another point of view, it's a man in a suit handing a black woman money and tickets and then hugging her in the street, which at this time yes. would appear out of normal. Okay. That's all. I'll give you that if you didn't know the rest of the story. If you, if you were a bystander, yes. but we're not. Best corpse? I'm giving it to Amos. I think he really earned it. Well, the pig is pretty good. <laughs> no, I'm taking it back. I'm giving it to the pig. Giving it to the pig. The pig is the best corpse. Man, that blood splatter is pretty good. He wears a t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> I want to know why they put the t-shirt. Modesty. No, to replicate the t-shirt on Amos. Yeah, and I think it would have been gutted. So yeah. it would have had a big, big slice. Yeah. And that would have been unsightly. <laughs> He's already bleeding out his flank, George. Shoot I got, him. I got to tell you, folks, especially our new listeners and our new Murdoch people, <laughs> of which Nocturnal Druid is one of them. <laughs> Nocturnal Druid, one of our longtime YouTube watchers who uh, did point out that the Don River was from the Don in uh, the UK and probably related to a goddess. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. What does that have to do with the pig? Anyway, <laughs> not every show in this series is pig related. No. I think we've reached the pig limit. Um, No, because later one flies a plane. Yes, there's the, <laughs> the pig that flies the plane later, but that's season We're not spoiling anything. We're not it spoiling happens in the first anything. 20 seconds yep. of the episode. After the credits, Fanny gets to go and start her new life. Yep. Bob, I think she goes back to Athens, Georgia. And, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Bob sucks at boxing. Maybe he'll get another job. That would be good. The Cutlers go on being rich and creepy. Yep. Ozzy's going to go to prison at least. And the desk clerk keeps on making 18 cents an hour and being fabulous. Yep. The All end. All of those things. Are you ready for horrible movies? Now, Sarah prepped me this week on horrible movies saying that one of these people was in a movie with this other actress. And I said the name of the movie instantly. <laughs> and she said, oh, I, I knew I couldn't show you that one. Yeah, I had three and I cut one yep. right off the bat because I thought, well, I don't need three movies. Yeah. And the one I cut, I'm like, I bet you he's seen that one. And it's called Rabid. Huh? Yeah. And you had seen it. You yeah, knew it like right away. Instantly, I knew that movie. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay, two of them. Yes. Okay. The first one is from 1984. Yes. And Frank Moore is in it. He's the guy uh, in this episode who plays Jeb Cutler, okay. otherwise known as husband of French creepy lady. Yes, he's been in a lot of movies. A lot. Yes, a lot of Canadian movies too. Mm -hmm. The tagline of this film is, you don't play it, it plays you until someone dies. Okay, so is this a killer object movie like The Bed? No. Okay. Are you ready Please. for the, the summary? No. Yeah, give me the summary. So the main character's job is to write computer games, but in her spare time, she hacks bank accounts. She has gathered $5 million and wants to retire to Brazil, unaware that her secret partner intends to keep all the money. Moreover, her boss has also found out about her doing and has hired villains to get a hold of the treasure. 
They kill her only to find out she's hidden the money and put the only clue in a computer game. Okay. Leaving the only clue to that clue to her sister, who is a stewardess. I'm going to ask you this question, and you're not <laughs> going to believe me asking this question. Uh-huh. Does this movie star Whoopi Goldberg? No. Okay. It's not Jumpin' Jack Flash. No. Which roughly has the same plot. No. Okay. Which I saw in the theater. Wow. I don't know what this movie is. And Whoopi Goldberg doesn't get killed at the beginning of the movie and hide a clue inside a computer game. No, no, she doesn't. You need to rewatch that movie if that's what you think happens. No, I don't need to rewatch Jump Attack Flash. <laughs> do not need to rewatch that okay, movie. Okay, do you know this movie? No, I don't. It is called Thrill Kill. Thrill Kill. It, is this a Canadian movie? Yes, and that's How the name of the game. How could I have not seen this movie? I don't know. 84 Video Games Horror? Yeah. Why? Oh, I, I can't believe. I, I must. I'll have to look at the box. I'm sure I've seen the box. You'll have to look at the yeah. box. Oh, that's one for me. Yes. Woohoo! All right. The second movie stars, well, it includes, he stars in it, Daniel Datmore, who plays Newsman Lewis. Oh, Newsman Lewis is in starring mm -hmm. role in this movie. Okay. This is from 1995. 1990s. He's gone up in the world. Well, the, no. Oh, sorry. This is 2008. Yeah. So, 95. <laughs> this okay. is pre-Murdoch. Yes. Pre his big role as Newsman Lewis and Murdoch. <laughs> The tagline of the movie is, it has a crush on you. <laughs> it's so bad. It's really, really bad. Is this movie about a rock that's alive? No. Okay. I mean, that's a good guess, though. Okay. Like a boulder. Yeah. <laughs> a killer boulder. No. It has a crush on you. <laughs> How about like a... I'll give you a summary. Okay. After an accident, a laundry folding machine has been possessed oh, by a demon. Oh, I know what this is. And now has a taste for human beings. I know what this is. This movie is called The Mangler. Yes. <laughs> oh. It's based on a short story by Stephen King. Which is why I could not wait for this movie to come out and saw it right away. It stars Robert England, who plays yes. Freddy Krueger. He's Freddy Krueger's in it. And Ted Levine, yep. who's Buffalo Bill. Buffalo puts the lotion <laughs> on its skin. But he's a good guy. In yes. This. He's a detective. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was reading the reviews. Yeah. And uh, this is a, this is a quote. From okay, one of the it's a weird story. Yeah. Okay. It's about a laundry machine <laughs> that, that kills, kills people. <laughs> and become sentient at the end. Yeah. Well, and from the screenshots, you think, oh, people just fall into it because it which looks is, like a big roller. Which is what happens machine, right? early on. Yeah. But then this review gives a little bit away. <laughs> the comedy of seeing a dry cleaning press stomping through a building trying to eat people who managed to fall down at the right moment is what takes this movie from just poor and stupid to incredibly lame and silly. <laughs> so the short... I was like, wait a minute. It's a machine the size of a room and it starts walking around. <laughs> so the short story is great because it kind of goes through how it happens, how mm -hmm. it becomes possessed, mm -hmm. right? And it's interesting because it's like Stephen King used to work in a in a... Laundry? A laundry. Like, clearly, this is a, I was working, so I thought of this story. Yeah, thing. what if somebody fell on it? What, what would happen? Yeah. yeah, and it has to do with a young woman's blood and all sorts of things, right? The end of the story is when the mangler breaks loose. <laughs> like, Stephen King knew enough to go, I'm not going to go any further. But the movie, not so much. The movie did not... <laughs> 
did not stop there. And the short story is maybe 10 pages. Yeah. We were like, how are they going to make a movie of this? <laughs> we must go see this. They have it run down hallways and grab people who fall down. <laughs> yes, I have seen the mangle. That's one for one. one Good job. One. I'm impressed. It has a crush on you. <laughs> You thought it was a movie about a killer boulder. <laughs> as soon as you said laundry machine, yeah, I you were, knew you what were movie like, ah, it was. <laughs> all right, that's it for this week. What's next week? Next week is episode number four, and oh, it is a doozy. We're in for a treat because it is episode four, Elementary My Dear Murdoch. You don't even have to say anything. They oh, know already. They know. Oh, it's just it's so From that title, much. you know. So much good stuff <laughs> in this episode. You look like a little kid. Is like, I'm too excited to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So until the next time, bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. I'm ready when you are.